still playing music. There you go. Well, hello there, Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Fridays. First time live ever. This is episode number 22, and it took us 21 episodes to learn how to make this live, something like that. But once again, I'm joined by Mr. Richard Morgan. What's up? Not much. Hi, everybody. This is this is very exciting, actually. I think I've done 10 or 12 of these now, and this is the first time actually doing it live. So we've already had the intro music playing over the top of your intro. So let's see how smoothly it runs from now on. But I think <laughs> we know what we're doing. You've done a lot of live streams anyway. I've done a few, but yeah. I've never been producing yeah. them myself. Yeah, like I decided to add the whole intro thing at the last minute, and that didn't work out as smoothly as I wanted to. Because, yeah, as you mentioned, apparently we're playing the intro music <laughs> of all like pre-intro music on top of intro music. That's quite a way to start. But yeah, welcome to Cat Pick Fridays Live. Uh, thanks for everyone who's joining live and also just for watching, listening. And can't believe it's episode 22 already. This is a season finale, by the way, because I am heading out for a summer holiday very soon. And yeah, excited about that. But fear not, we have something fun for you in store during those weeks when we are not physically present. It's not like we're physically present here anyway, but you know, something like that. There will be some Catholic Fridays specials running during the month of July. So that should be a lot of fun. And yeah, we're going to dive into a bunch of guitars this week. Actually, a lot, a lot of guitars, a couple of pedals as well. And people in the chat, please feel free to ask any questions, comment your comments, and we'll be actually diving into those a little bit as well later. And maybe even talk about our highlights during this Cat Pick Fridays season number one but yeah i think it might be time to dive into all kind of recent things and hope my screen sharing things and everything will work here so it's <laughs> actually functioning uh if you're new here by the way this episode is available both on youtube and on apple podcast and spotify as well so you can just listen to this as well you don't have to watch as if you don't want to though i'd say for a lot of all episodes, at least some episodes, the visual aspect kind of adds its own flavor to the mix, wouldn't you say? I'd, <laughs> yeah, I'd also say we're two extremely handsome young men. So that, yes, you know, there's no surprise to me that many young ladies from across the world tune in every week to watch this show <laughs> as opposed to just listening to it. I think you're you're mixing this up with some other show you're doing. Not sure. I think you're probably right. Yeah. But I do think that uh, watching this show, if you can, if you're listening now and you've thought about watching it but haven't, some of the episodes in particular you really get a little bit more by watching. And actually, Vlad just talked about the summer episodes, which are coming up, these fun things that we're going to do. It definitely would be worth your while to have the visual side of those episodes if you can. There's a lot of stuff that you yeah. can see in those episodes if, if that's your thing. Definitely, definitely. That was a good tease, wasn't it? That was a good tease. Better than my. That was a good tease. There's going to be some really exciting visual characteristics to those summer shows. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. All right. How does it work, by the way, with with like a live 
show like this with the podcast? Do you have to upload it separately afterwards? Uh, to the podcast platform, that is? Yeah. Yeah, obviously, I'll have to take the audio files from here and then throw them into, ah, right, okay. into the internets. Throw it into the internets. That's very good English indeed. <laughs> Super. Yeah. Super. Uh, let's dive into recent happenings and talk about recent things. And I'm going to start a bit egoistic with this one. Let's go. <laughs> And the reason why I said uh, I'm going a bit egoistic is because <laughs> I want to talk about me first. Should I even like solo myself here so we, you can see Rich? No, I don't think that's a good idea. Let's keep it. Hey, let's do this. Yeah. You, you can uh, make yourself huge and me tiny. Uh, can I? Oh, yes. Looks like <laughs> Wow. Now we really know who's the boss here. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Especially podcast listeners will really enjoy this part of the show. Uh, yeah. So what we're talking about here is uh, uh, something that I announced this week was that I'm joining the artist roster for Vola Guitars. Uh, this came from them. They basically just enjoyed all the content I've been producing over the past year or so using their guitar. And they asked if they could, like, add me as an artist, and I ended up saying yes. And before you even ask, uh, there's no like exclusivity or anything like that. I'm not only using Vola in the future, and I'll be demoing other guitars, other brands, like nothing that kind of is happening. So do not worry. And, and also like I won't be preferring Vola over other guitars in my reviews or anything like that because that would just be stupid and I think Vola themselves want me to be honest with all of the products and not like fakely pushing their stuff so yeah I'm just excited like what kind of opportunities this could bring in the future especially uh, or like when we actually get like all of these trade shows happening and stuff like that I'm guessing that's where I could be involved more in the future. And I'm excited about that. Plus, it's just fun to represent a brand whose guitars I actually like really like. So I'm hoping this will be a very mutually beneficial uh, relationship. That's the word I'm looking for. And yeah, exciting times. I'm hoping to get my hands on more Volos than just the Oz I have because the... Uh, I guess they're calling them version three or something like that, but they basically revamped a bunch of their guitar models and there's really cool things in those. And I really want to get my hands on one of those. Yeah, that all sounds that really cool. Congratulations from my side, I guess. I mean, I work, uh, anyone who doesn't know what I do, I work in the industry. So I'm kind of a brand person. So I've done endorsement stuff with many YouTubers and artists stuff before as well. And yeah, I mean, the way brands do endorsements these days is different to how it used to be. It's not the kind of exclusivity that it used to be. And it is an interesting kind of idea for a YouTuber, especially someone who is seen as a True. gear YouTuber to take on like a partnership with a brand. But I know plenty who have, 
I know plenty who haven't and don't want to. And I think that everyone has to find their own way and find what's right to them. And if, if you, Vlad, have found this one brand in Volo that you have a good relationship with and you want to carry on that and they want to have you on their site, then go for it. That's what I say. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what so how did your relationship with them start? Did you buy a guitar first from them or did you meet them on a uh, trade show or something? I met them at my first time, which was, how do the years work, 2019. Yeah, there was still a trade show at 2020. So I met them at 2019. I already knew them through a bunch of people. We know so David Wallerman, uh, Robert Baker. Uh, I think just Alan might have been playing bowl at that point already, if I'm correct. So yeah, I knew like I knew the brand through those guys, and then I just went to their booth and said hi and checked out a bunch of their guitars and watched Robert Baker shred to ACDC and stuff like that. So yeah, good times. <laughs> like <laughs> that's how I got to know the people. And then last year, so NAM twenty twenty, I was there again and we had more chats. Shot a very very silly video with one of the guys from Volo Guitars and we started talking after NAM and they sent me that guitar that I've been featuring on many many videos and yeah that's how the whole thing happened yeah it's actually interesting that Volo as a brand is for me more connected to YouTubers as endorsers than it is to yeah, definitely, artists yeah. you know yeah. the people who you know make music and tour music professionally. So recently I did an interview with Joss because he's got his own signature Vola models. He's got two of them. Well, the same guitar, but in two very different colors, British racing green, no Le Mans racing green and charger orange. So he's got his two signatures interview on my channel. If you want to watch that at any point, but yeah, guys like David Wallerman have used Vola for years, Robert Baker as well. It really is one of these modern brands that is looking to YouTubers. And I think that's a, that's the best way for brands to work. It's always something I've always done with the brands that I work for too. Yeah, and like, it as sound we're like going you're to typing a, a long letter to somebody. No, I'm type. I'm doing the things I forgot to, <laughs> <add> <laughs> to the show. This is how professional I am today. Uh, yeah, and as we're going to dive into Ibanez guitars in a second, like the their most recent signature artist. Is also a YouTuber, apparently. So that's the modern world we live in, or something like that. So that was a very lame statement. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's but true. I mean, it's true. It's true. Like I think YouTubers, like in total, sell way more than many, many signature artists. I would say because they have like a dedicated audience, whereas a lot of the artists uh like you're kind of further from them in a way i think one of the like exciting parts of youtube is like you feel you almost know the people you're watching whereas like especially in the past like rock stars used to be those kind of people on a pedestal and you look up to them and uh while you kind of might idolize them it's not the same kind of connection but when your favorite youtuber who you also appreciate as a musician gets a signature guitar and you can afford it i think that's that might be even like a stronger connection than you loving a band and their guitar player having a signature instrument yeah that's my two cents 
on this, I'd, I guess. No, I would definitely agree with that. And I think that's a, probably a topic for a future show at some point when we can discuss kind of the way that artists and YouTubers have changed. But we have seen so many different YouTube people getting signature instruments. So we've already talked about quite a few on this channel. I know Rabia Massad always comes up again and again as a good example of someone who's done a lot yeah, of signature absolutely. stuff with Victory, with Chapman guitars, etc. There's Rob Chapman himself. We talked about Rick Beato getting a signature guitar. I talked to Joss about his new signature guitars recently. And one of our next stories coming up is going to be focused on a new Ibanez signature artist who is indeed a YouTuber. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> I guess I'm scrolling my website here, like my section of the website. I am not used to this. This feels really weird. And I can't like... It's very difficult for me to look at my own promo pictures or anything like that. It just feels unnatural <laughs> and it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> but I'm forcing myself to get used to all of this because I've been putting my face out here on the internet for five years now. So I think it's time to <laughs> get used to this at some point. <laughs> I hope I will. But yeah, I think we might actually start diving into the next topics and stop talking about me and... Let me quickly queue up some photos that our lovely friend sent us. Uh, actually, let's dive into the guitars first and just bring up the topic like this. Uh, Ivaness releases their first ever headless guitar series. Is it just called Q? Just Q. The Q series, as far as I understand it, yeah. Oh, it's the Quest series, apparently. Quest. I see. Yeah, 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 makes sense. Um, just a second, I'm going to share some photos, because our friend Dan from Ibanez, when he saw our live stream announcement, he sent me a bunch of photos, and these look pretty darn pretty. Check this out. Like... I, d I know headless guitars aren't up your alley, and I'm not sure if they're like if they're my thing either. But I think those are very very nice looking instruments. They they could be up my alley. I just don't think I've found yeah. the right one yet. You know, I've felt fairly close with the Harley Benton. It's not the Amarok. It's the Dollahan, the Harley Dollahan. Benton Dollahan. Yeah, and I really loved the the Kiesel that Joss Allen used to play. The oh, bright pink, whatever Kiesel model that was. That was nice as well, but these Ibanezes for people watching the podcast, they're a little bit different. I mean, we have one on the left there, which is, I don't know, is that eight strings, seven strings? It's a very modern, metally looking one, but the one on the right almost looks like an HSS Strat type in a headless variety. Yeah, it's almost like a very twisted, weird version of like some like a David Gilmore guitar or something like that. They're definitely going for that wipe at least, especially because they have all, they also have like AZ version of that, which is also like HSS, like completely black and white pickups. Yeah, it's the most traditional looking headless electric that I think I've seen <laughs> up to date. So it's like quite the, interesting. Yeah, I love the sentence. The most traditional looking headless guitar. It's like. There's something fun yeah, about that. I like it. it. Yeah, it's funny putting those two things together. Yeah, that one that you've just brought up on screen again. I mean, it's not a traditional 
strat or anything like a traditional strat but compare it to the other headless guitars that most people know it's yeah it's a bit retro looking it's very very cool and i think a lot of these guitars have very very good specs for the prices that they're offered at as well uh have you checked are they made in indonesia or japan or are they both versions of these guitars i believe there's both i believe there's a mix the series is actually rather large and if you guys watching yeah. check out the uh, the links that Vlad will be putting in the description, you can see that there's a bunch of different finishes available, a bunch of different body woods. I think there's different neck woods, different pickup configurations, and yeah, yeah. It's it's often hard for me to tell with the Ibanez model numbers because I find the model numbers <laughs> difficult to read and understand. Yeah, but I think uh, this has. Uh, it's been like several years already, but when Ola launched his solar guitars, I think he had a video where he explained like, like he finally understands the model number names with Ibanez because when he needed to have like seven different models and each of them have like different specs and colors and stuff like that, it suddenly becomes like AZ125HHBB, AZR2D2, something like that. Like Yeah, yeah. It's very easy to make that. Yeah, so. sure. Just looking at the prices, most of them seem to retail in American prices at around $1,000. Some a little bit less, some 1000 some a little bit more. So I'm going to assume from that that they're not made in Japan. Yeah, sounds like Indonesian-made ones, but like based on the Ibanez AZs I've played, those have been killer. So... I but they look fantastic, and really I, I would definitely be up for trying them. Yeah, like that black one you see on the screen right now. With like, so it's like a white or like completely black. Seems like a flat black as well, unless uh, the photographer actually knew what they're doing. So it might be like just really well lit. <laughs> but <laughs> like, it looks like it's like satin black or something, like flat black, and then white. HSS configuration. I kind of want to try that out at some point. There's a yeah, that's the one here, I would so. be looking at trying yeah. out. It's um definitely yeah. I would love to know all of the specifications and what other kind of colors and options are available and what the pickups are. We can't tell everything from this information, but they look like yeah, great exactly guitars. Like, yeah, the do we know when they're they released? No, I'm not sure, actually. I probably should have checked that before we did the show, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I actually have no idea when they're going to be released, but I have a feeling with Ibanez that uh, they're kind of like a boss where they announce something and it doesn't take that long before something is actually out. So Yeah, so yeah, I think be the one that we're... I think the one that we're talking about is the Q54. For anyone Googling this, the Ibanez Q54, and that one's $999. Yeah, it comes in a black flat finish, and there's also a seafoam green version, a matte seafoam green. And they have Alnico R1 single coils in the neck and the middle, and a Q58 humbucker in the bridge. So those are going to be extremely versatile instruments as well as being very ergonomic they don't have kind of yep. uh fanned frets or anything like that they don't have a altered scale length they look more traditional they look very interesting indeed yeah i think yeah, i need to try true. it out 
Yeah. The only thing I don't like about those types of guitars is that I find it like when I tune, I usually like plug the string all the time and then then tune at the same time. But with these, like I need to tune with my right hand and then like plucking the string with the left hand feels very unnatural. It's not like I wouldn't get used to it, but it's Did you play your headless guitar with a strap on much? I'm wondering uh, when you I've stand up, that. how is the balance with I've it? never done, I, I've actually never done that. No? And I actually read somewhere, like, the way these guitars were designed was that, like, they should be super comfortable for people who play, like, very high. Uh, like, they who hang up their guitar very high, and I, I'm guessing, like, most of the headless guitar players are going for the ultimate ergonomics anyway, so that just makes sense. Yeah, and I think you're right. Really, I, yeah, kind of, kind of related to this, uh, they also announced a new signature artist. I hope I don't butcher this person's name, Ichika Nito. I also have a typo in my uh, name, yeah, but I, yeah. I also don't know how to say his name, unfortunately, and he doesn't speak <laughs> on his own YouTube channel, so I, I don't know yeah. what his, what the pronunciation is. But yeah, Ichika Nito, maybe. The first yes. ever Japanese Ibanez signature artist. I was shocked when I watched. Yeah, I was shocked when I watched that video. Like, Ibanez has existed for 30, 40 years, and this is the first Japanese signature artist. That's crazy. Crazy, huh? But yeah, this is the first one, and again, it's a YouTuber model. Because, are you familiar with the? Ichika Nito channel, Vlad? Have you watched him no. before? No, no. He's well, I guess I would describe him as a modern day virtuoso. Uh, most of the videos oh, yeah. I've seen of him, you'll get short musical clips. They're very simply filmed. It's him sat on a couch or somewhere in his house, and he'll be playing a small song from anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute and a half or something like that. And his technique is absolutely flawless as you see a lot on the yeah. internet and on, on Instagram these yeah, days. Yeah. He plays very, very clean with reverb, and he does a lot of two-handed tapping, and he does incredible chord phrasings and voicings. He's super fast across the fretboard. I'm guessing he knows his stuff theoretically, and he's very, mm. very good. It's not the music that I listen to personally in my time off, but it's the kind of thing I just tune in to watch a 30-second video and go, yeah, okay, this guy can play. He's amazing. <laughs> He's a very, very good musician indeed. Yeah, definitely. Like the few clips I watched today to find out what kind of music he is actually doing, like they were really, really impressive. And I like that kind of clean stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know, yeah, just, very, just enjoyed that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Which the funny thing about his channel how, for me is that yeah. like he's changed so much in the last six months. Um, mm. I used to watch his channel a bit before, and it was much more serious, much less kind of fun in a way, less jokey. And about six or seven months ago, and I went this morning and I checked, it was in December where he made some kind of a change. Basically, all of his video titles have become memes. So you'll see videos <laughs> called things like when your mum passes McDonald's and says there's food at home. Oh, 
when your best friend didn't yeah. save any Doritos for you, and that's like a 40-second song, and he's basically playing on the emotions of people who know that experience, and he's, he's giving them a musical soundtrack to their lives. I like that. I, I need to find his channel and start yeah, so it, following it's that. Kind of funny. It it's kind of funny. He's like a musician for the TikTok and Instagram generation, and he has 1.5 million subscribers on his channel, and... A lot of the time he's playing Ibanez guitars, but I actually personally associate him more with a Fender Strat because oh. I think he was one of the many artists who was gifted one of the Fender Ultra Strats last year when they came out. And he got mm. the HSS Strat in the blue finish, which is the one that I personally would really, really like to own. And he's played that in a lot of videos and he makes it sound fantastic. So if you're checking out that channel, look at some of the thumbnails where he's playing the HSS Strat, and that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I'll have to. Uh, is his signature guitar, is that a bridge humbucket that just looks like a single coil, or is it a single coil? His I'm signature guitar is three single coils. And actually, to go back to the Ibanez headless stuff, this is the most traditional looking of all the headless guitars, and is now the most traditional looking headless guitar I've ever seen because the body <laughs> itself, it's very stratty, isn't it? To me, it's strat yeah. cr crossed with maybe a Petrucci Music Man sort of a shape with a cutaway yeah. down at the bottom for the, for the tuners. And it is kind of based on the Ibanez Talman model because that was one of his favorites before. But now it's been updated and upgraded exactly the way he wanted it. Let's have a look at the specifications. So we've got a Nyato body, which is going to make it very lightweight. The mm. neck is a three-piece maple bubinga. It's a roasted bird's-eye maple fretboard, 24 frets, gold markers, or are the frets gold themselves? Yeah, I think they are. Mm. And yeah, three R1 single-coil pickups. And that makes sense if you know his channel, because he plays very, very clean. Yeah. Yeah, really, really cool signature artist in many ways, like a YouTuber, first of all, but then a, like a clean player as well. And almost, yeah, as you mentioned, almost going for that Strat vibe with a headless guitar, <laughs> which is probably going to annoy some people, but I like that. that that's really, really interesting. By the way, it seems like all of these Q series guitars are 24 frets, which I guess makes sense because you like if you're buying a headless guitar, you are not as traditionalist that you absolutely need to have just 22 frets. I'm guessing at least. I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting but, yeah. one. But I think most people who gravitate towards fretless guitars, I would assume want 24 frets. Yeah, most likely. All right, let's again, jump to the... Look at, looking at this guitar, it's so traditional. It looks a bit like a strap, but I can never imagine the situation where I walk down <laughs> to the local bar and see like a blues rock band doing, you know, 60s and 70s covers and the guitarist is playing one of these. I just can't imagine it. Uh, I've been... It's, it's over 10 years ago now, but I've been in a situation where I think Strandberg was the first one to come up with something like that. Uh, Strandberger or Strandberg, which one is it? Um, yeah, Strandberg, I, yeah. Yeah, I was in a like this kind of church band. And we went to some like 
camp to have a like to play a concert and there was another band as well and that band's guitar player was playing like a strandberg and it like really really stood out <laughs> because in those circles it's usually like fenders and maybe a, an occasional les paul and stuff like that and then there was this one guy with a freaking headless guitar it looked funny <laughs> But yeah, moving on to the next one, we are talking about J Rocket uh, Clockwork Echo. That's the proper name for that thing. I watched a couple of demos today and it sounds killer. Very, very, what, what, what's the pedal it's going for? Memory Man, the, right? The Electro Harmonics Deluxe Memory Man. Yeah, exactly. So. Yes. It's an analog delay. They call it the Clockwork Echo. And it's actually been designed in collaboration with the guy who created the original Deluxe Memory Man. Oh, yeah, that's a true. A chap called Howard Davis. So there have been many pedals since the Deluxe Memory Man that have tried to sound like it. But I think this is possibly the one that's going to come closest. What do you think yeah, based I on think the demos that you've seen and... The sounds that you've heard from it. I mean, based on, for example, Pete Thorne's demo, he like really, really nailed those like Pink Floydy things, like both like kind of short delays and stuff like that, but also like, hello, Yogi Fish. Uh, yeah, basically, like it absolutely nailed those tones for me at least. I'm not like a Pink Floyd sound expert. But I've actually had one pedal, which was Diamond Pedals Memory Lane Junior, which is also like a uh, one of those EHX pedals or like a version of that. I don't remember which one it's going for, but yeah, that's kind of modulated delay echo sound. And this J Rocket one just sounded fantastic. I'm not sure if I would get it myself because that might not be like exactly the kind of sound I'm going for anyway, but I could see a lot of people be excited about this one. It also looks really, really cool. It does look very cool indeed. If you're listening to this on the podcast, definitely check this out online to see what it looks like. It's called The Clockwork, and basically it's a, sort of a sleek-looking matte metal design with cogs and the bits yeah. and pieces that you see inside expensive watches and clocks, I think. Yeah, yep. I mean, I watched the demo by our good friend Eirik at Living Room Gear Demos, and he made this pedal sound absolutely fantastic, and he also said that he finds this one to be the closest you can get to having an original, which are very large pedals, the originals. They're yeah. becoming very expensive on the used market, and they also have a weird power supply. Is it maybe 24 yeah, just volts or something? Yeah. So it's, it's hard to put them on a normal pedal board. And so this yeah. pedal, the clockwork, is going to actually give people a way to achieve that sound in a more modern setting without having to get a different power supply and to save a bit more space. I guess the question I have is like, how much better is this going to be than one of the big box digital delays that does this plus everything else? <sighs> that is a great question. But then again, it's like, I don't know if it's sound-wise, there's like a huge difference if you go for like a Strymon or 
well, what's the other company that makes uh, something with, starts with N as well? I'm thinking Neural DSP, but no, that's not that. Uh, Source uh, Audio. Oh, Source Audio, yeah. So, for yeah. example, like, Nem- yeah, I was thinking Nemesis Delay, for example. Yeah. Uh, their algorithms for all those kinds of delays are also fantastic. Uh, so, I don't know if, like, there's a huge difference sound-wise, but I, like, I'm one of those people who doesn't need to have all the options, have a limited amount of options, and then, like, tweakability within those. Like, if you want to have, like, the this sound deluxe memory man sound you'll probably go with this one you didn't like just because it's like that's the sound and then there's variations within that kind of realm instead of like getting all the delay sounds so i could i i'd say there's room for that and also i appreciate yoga fish's comment i'm glad it's not orange that would be clockwork orange <laughs> yeah definitely agree that's true but yeah, I think there's a market for this one because I don't think there's been that many kind of, uh, well, pedals that go for this kind of sound. Yeah. The the other thing I'd want to just bring up here is the price, which I found out this morning. It's $399 in America, and I've seen oh. some stores over here in Europe offering it for 450 euros, which is... So they go for like Strymon prices. Strymon prices for a pedal which is just doing one thing effectively. I mean, I know you've got a delay and then you've got vibrato and stuff in there as well, but it. I think yeah. that makes the decision possibly harder for people who are looking for a pedal. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Yoga Fish comments that, yeah, those other technologies overdo it. I, I'm guessing he means that uh, like there's maybe a bit too much going on with some of those pedals, uh, which I agree uh, like uh, I don't know, I just get lost when I'm given too many options. <laughs> Give me a limited you know, the, amount um, of option. I actually I was looking for a big box delay pedal a couple of years ago, and I ended up going for the Empress Ecosystem, and mm. that one does all the delays the same as the Strymon, the same as the Source Audio. You know, it covers digital, analog, and a lot of weird stuff as well. And you can do so much with it, but it doesn't have menus to get lost in. It yeah. just has knobs. So I felt that that was one step for me where it was not overcomplicated. But with stuff like Strymon, I do find myself kind of delving into menu after menu after menu. And and then you play less and tweak more. Yeah, that, that, that's what happens with like with me many times. And uh, I've had the Strymon timeline sounds amazing but with that like one row like few digit display it was so freaking annoying to tweak it that i just gave up at some point even like yeah i found myself tweaking and like trying to remember on like whether it was on page 7 or 17 where you could tweak that one setting somewhere and kind of got lost doing that so yeah 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 uh <laughs> then there's something well I don't even know how to introduce this like let me do this there's a very 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 weird pedal is it even a pedal I think it's a pedal it was released recently it's a Bigsby pedal by <laughs> by Game Changer Audio and it's like literally looks like Bigsby like the <laughs> Tremolo you have on your guitar. 
Yeah, and it's a foot pedal. So you, yeah. you press it down with your foot while you play. So, yeah, I think this is pretty amazing. It's another thing that I have to try. Game Changer Audio is a company that they don't have many products, but when they do come up with a product, it's very much out of left field. Like this is a super yeah. creative idea, and if it works, it will be absolutely amazing. But it's it's a bit of a novelty in a way as well, and I, <laughs> I guess it will cost quite a bit of money. But yeah, basically what this one is doing is it's like a, I guess it's like a, you would technically call it a pitch shifter, a polyphonic pitch shifter. And it's doing what a Bigsby does when you yeah. press a Bigsby pedal, sorry, a Bigsby, what do you call it? The handle on the guitar itself. You're yeah, doing the same thing. Tremolo. Whammy. That's what it is. It's a whammy. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so it's a Bigsby in foot pedal form. And the, there's a couple of videos that you can see on the Game Changer Audio site. There's a guy playing who does it very, very well. It, like an old school yeah. rock and roll yeah. sort of a style. It looks and sounds great there. I think it probably yeah. takes a long time to get used to it, but <laughs> another one I'd really like to try. Yeah, it looks like one of those pedals that w would be very, very uncomfortable to play if you're like wearing socks. So looks like you absolutely need to wear like shoes <laughs> to be able to play that. <laughs> That's a good point. So Stephen Wilson would be out. He would not be able to use this pedal because he'd be barefoot and that would be disgusting. <laughs> you get it stuck between your toes or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. But yeah, like based on the like play, like I guess it was like an official demo. It, it sounded fun. It sounded like Big Spear. I wonder like the only thing you probably won't be able to do with this one unless there's like some secret setting like you know a lot of like rockabilly and guitarists would do like a very fast tremolo with their hands using that they were like play no then i'd like do like blah 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 blah. i don't know how do you do like can you do that with this one maybe there's like a secret setting somewhere or like you yeah i bet you can you yeah I'm sure you can. There will be loads of settings that you can do on it to to get the different kinds of effects. It has three controls at the back. I'm just trying to read. One of them is depth, one of them is blend, and one of them is... I can't read the other one. It's blurred. <laughs> but there are different <laughs> options to make it sound the way you want it. Yeah. Also, I have to mention that this pedal has been in the making since 2019, and it's actually an official collaboration between Game Changer and Fender and Bigsby. So oh, this yeah, is an official true. Bigsby pedal as well, so Fender were happy to do it. So <laughs> the results are going to have to be spot on, I think, otherwise yeah. Fender would not want to be associated with it. And this one's not out yet. It's out later this year or even maybe for NAM next year in January based on mm. the website, but this is going to be very cool. I, th I think it's going to get a bunch of demos from, like, if there's a NAM 2020, wait, 2022, like, I'm going to, like, there will be 7 million videos from that show where everybody's going to try that one out, and I'll be yeah. one of them, uh, definitely <laughs> so. <laughs> I like it a lot. Last uh, recent happenings topic is that, was it last week? Last week, we talked about the new Harley Bentons, and damn it, Aeolus was one of those guitars. You have one. Aeolus. Yeah, yes. I got one. Harley Benton sent me one to make a video, and it's... You've made right it already, actually. <laughs> right there, and the video's already out. It's been out since <laughs> yesterday, and 
that guitar is very, very good. Yeah, tell us more about it, actually. I'm Sorry, not sure I if I have a photo of you. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I have a photo of you queued up. Just pull it up so it's there in the shot. So this is the that Aeolus. Great. It looks so good. Harley Benton guitar. It's a semi-hollow. Sorry, I'm trying to get this in the camera so you guys can actually see it. It's kind of like a 335 and a Les Paul had a baby. You know, it's that Les Paul sort of body shape. It's about the size of a 339, so it's smaller than a 335. But, yeah, it's a semi-hollow, so it's hollow at the sides. You've got a center block there. It's a flame maple veneer top and a mahogany body. The neck and the fingerboard are... Oh, sorry, this is hard. Are roasted maple. <laughs> and it just has features that I think for the price are pretty much impossible to to achieve for many other brands. You know, you've got stainless steel yeah. frets, you've got Grover locking tuners. The nut is a Graftech tusk nut. Really? Pickups are Teslas. And this is a brand that I'd never heard of before, but they are very, very good indeed. They're splittable. So you've got humbucking sounds yeah. and single coil tones too. And overall, <laughs> this guitar just makes so many different sounds and it does them all so well. It's a really, really impressive guitar. And I spent a long nice. time playing it for the demo. It's a very long video, but if anyone watching is interested to hear how that guitar sounds, just go onto my channel and you can you can watch. I tried to play it in as many different genres as possible with all the different pickup settings. And yeah, that guitar can do so much. Very, very impressed. Yeah, links below in the description, obviously. It's like, guys, if you have any questions about that guitar, now's your chance to ask those because I'm really interested in that one. Like... Uh, when we talked about this last week, I was actually leaning towards the headless ones, the dollar hands. But uh, watching your video actually kind of started to win me over because that thing is <laughs> well, you can impressive. Get, yeah, you can get the ALS and you can get one of the new headless Ibanez guitars and then you have a bit of everything. That's true. Then you can mm. cover everything with those. I was surprised how. Uh, oh, by the way, is that there's like a center block in the middle? Or it's it's semi hollow, right? It's not hollow. Yeah, yeah, it's semi hollow. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Makes sense. Uh, is it heavy? Yeah, you you can see it if you look inside there. It's it's heavier than I thought it would be. When I, it's so hard to actually find the camera. When I first got it out of the box, I thought it would be really really light because you expect a mm. guitar with f holes to be light, but it weighs just under three and a half kilograms which is seven pounds 10, which is not super okay. light. But for yeah, a Les Paul, it would be light. I mean, I've got lighter guitars and I've got heavier guitars, but it's very, very comfortable. It's just I expected it to be lighter than that. Okay, yeah, because that's my impression of most of the Harley Bentons I've tried. It's been, um, uh, I've had the one that, I think the first one was the one that looked like Pete Thorne's guitar. So... Uh, I don't remember what the model name is. Uh, that one, like, kind of super strat. Yeah, yeah, one of the fusion series. Good guitar, very heavy. Then I had the single cut one, also very heavy. Again, mm. good guitar, very heavy. I've had the headless one, which was surprisingly heavy, especially because it was like a headless guitar. And I think I guess that's where like some of the savings come. Like you can throw out a piece of wood. Like if it's usable, you're going to use it, even though it might be heavier than. You'd maybe prefer, so maybe yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, that's where the saving comes from. Comes from. 
Yeah, sure. Companies like Gibson, for example, and I believe Fender as well in the custom shop when they're when they're looking for yeah. woods for their guitars. If it weighs under a certain amount, it'll go to custom shop territory. If it's a little bit heavier, it'll go slightly down in terms of price range, and the heaviest wood goes to the cheapest instruments in general. I've had a mixed bag with Harley Bentons, though. I've also got the DC Junior Fat, which is like a Les Paul Junior double cut. And that's got a mahogany body, and it's also probably around about seven or eight pounds. Not a backbreaker by any means. Mm. But yeah, it's luck of the draw. And with Harley Benton, 99.9% of people are ordering it online, and you don't know what you're going to get until it arrives at your house. So that's the risk. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to try some Harley Benton guitars, but... Uh, yeah, let me bring up that comment. That's a good point, Quentin James. Hello, by the way. Yeah, I think this is something that has been talked about quite a lot. Like, people do order guitars, like, and like Thomas ships guitars to US, but when you're shipping a guitar in US and then the Harley Benton you get is not good, returning it. Is uh, well, apparently, it's very, very difficult and expensive as well, which kind of sucks. I hope they'll have they would have like a warehouse in somewhere in the US or America, some point, for example, and distribute from there. That would make a lot of sense, yeah. And you also pay a lot more for the original shipping. I think I read in a comment on my channel that you might pay up to a hundred dollars or something to get guitar shipped to America, so it's not worth mm. it in that regard. It would not surprise me at all if Harley Benton and Toman expand and end up with a, a large North American operation at some point fairly soon. And if they do do that, there will be Harley Benton guitars in America as well. But who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah, what you should do is what I've heard of some friends in Australia doing. They team together with like a group of four or five guys who all want to order Harley Benton guitars and they basically <laughs> get a whole crate sent over with like 16 guitars in it and you pay a lot less per guitar for the shipping. So yeah, Quentin, find a bunch of friends, order one each and yeah, order it to your house and you get to pick the best one and they have to make do with the others. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yogafish adds that uh, he likes heavy guitars, sound vibrates better for me. I partially agree, though. Uh, some of those Harley Benders I've had, like I, I usually also associate heavy guitar with like with like more vibration. But with I think the single cut Harley Bender was the one where it's like it was heavy, but it didn't like vibrate that much. So I guess it also like depends on the type of wood and like. I don't. I, I'm not like a wood sci wood scientist. Is that a thing? I'm not a wood <laughs> scientist. A so, I <laughs> but yeah, overall, like uh, I'm really, really interested in that guitar also. But man, there's only so many guitars you can have. Like I don't have a need for it. I have a lot of guitars. I have more on the way. But you know how it is. It is, and it's not like you need more guitars either, I think, but it's always fun to have more. No, you're right. And this is also one that does many things that other guitars do. So it it will sound like a Les Paul, it will sound like a semi-hollow, it will sound like a Tele or a Strat. It won't do all those tones and it doesn't do them all 100%, but it gets you in the ballpark for everything. 
So I mm. could imagine that this guitar is like absolutely perfect for someone who's in a covers band or something, and they're going to play. It is absolutely impossible to get this to appear on camera, but you guys know what I'm talking about. If you're playing like a cover set and you're playing for three hours or something and you're playing, you know, some Britpop and then some classic stuff and then maybe, I don't know, a jazz standard and then something metal and then someone asks for Rage Against the Machine, you can play it all on that one guitar and not many guitars will do that. Yeah. Is that, by the way, a positive or a negative thing for you? Like the fact that the guitar does very many styles, like... Or are you fighting with both? Because I've talked about this before. Like for me, I'm leaning more towards like a guitar doing one thing really well than a guitar doing a lot of styles like good, but maybe not great. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind about that, to be honest with you. I think I said it in the review as well at the end. It's like, if you want to have that 100% telecaster twang sound you need to buy a telly yeah you know if if there is a specific tone that you're going for that one model is renowned for then you should buy that model but if you're looking for an all-round guitar that can do a bit of everything then something like this or a prs you know Mm. a versatile guitar is is ideal i also think that if you're someone who doesn't want to have a big guitar collection, if you want to have just one or two guitars, then it makes sense to have something like this that you can cover every bass with pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it really depends. I know some people like, I was actually one of those people who tried to cover everything with one guitar until I realized that I'm not happy with any of those like super versatile guitars. And then I started getting like tellies and strats and stuff like that and became happier at least <laughs> uh, there's still few that i'm missing so like i don't feel complete just yet i'm missing a headless guitar obviously mainly for the looks then i'm missing what else am i missing i i kind of wanted to have like a 335 i'm miss- missing a gretsch then <laughs> then i'm missing a seven string guitar okay this is going to be a long list of guitars I'm yeah missing. you're Maybe missing stop here. an explorer <laughs> A V. That's true. For that You're one missing quite a lot. Headfield moment I need to have in my life. I need that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Can you have too many guitars? Um, no, I guess. I don't believe so, no. I think that's impossible. Yes, exactly. But yeah, that wraps up the recent happenings. But uh, where's my video? There you go. There's something positive we want to talk about. <laughs> a double neck. <laughs> Yoko Fish comments that I'm missing a double neck. I'm not sure about that, though. You definitely or need a double two? neck. Yes. So is it like a 12 string and a 6 string, or is it like an acoustic and an electric? Which one? Guide or is me. it a. Or is it a six string and a bass? You've got so many oh, different true. double neck options. That's true. That's the thing. You might need two double necks. Or four neck, like Michael Angelo, Angelo Batio does. And then you <laughs> yeah, play exactly. with two hands. Yeah. <laughs> That's one option as well. But yeah, let's dive into random positive thing because there are some random positive things. Well, that was a great transition. Well done, me. Let's go there now. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. Yay. Wow. 
All right, let's be randomly positive. Uh, my summer holiday starts next week. Yay! I really need it. I don't know about you. Do you have a summer holiday? Are you working 24-7 reviewing Harley Bentons? Pretty much, yeah. No, hopefully at the end of July, I'm going to get a week or two off. We'll see. Oh, that's good. We'll see what happens between then and now. But you're off what, from next week, right? And you're taking as much time off as you can. Yeah, four weeks at least. That's what I promised my family. And uh, that's I'm not a great like, holiday. <laughs> yeah, that's like a holiday. I've not had a holiday that long since I was a kid at school. I don't think. Oh, really? I mean, I've been unemployed, <laughs> but that doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't feel like holiday. I I know that. No way. Let me rephrase that. I've been freelance. I've been freelance and not had much to do at certain points. But uh, four weeks yeah, off. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I can totally relate to that because I've been running my own business for 11 years now. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I'm taking four weeks off and uh, we've actually shot a bunch of Cat Pick Friday stuff. Like It's actually uploaded on YouTube already. Need to do the final scheduling for those and stuff like that. But it's there already. It's waiting for you. So fear not, Cat Pick Fridays is not going away, even though I won't be doing it live or like, yeah. Fun episodes, I want to say, even though I'm biased, obviously. And yeah, I'm also working on some videos that will go out during this break time as well. It's been good also in the set, like holiday part is great, but me preparing for my holiday and like being very, very methodical about my video production has been great because I think I've learned new ways to make this more effective. For example... In the future, if I'm smart, I'm not shooting just one video. I'm not taking the time to set up everything and then shoot one video and then stop. I will be shooting them in bunches. So prepare two, three videos, shoot all of them on one day, and then you have stuff for the next couple of weeks. So that's really cool. But also really good use a break right now. It's been quite... Uh, quite the spring slash early summertime, so really looking forward. So are to you going to switch also- off from YouTube, or will you be checking your views and your comments every few days? Most likely, I will. I'm actually thinking like whether I could, or like I want to try and see if I could even take a couple of days off from like social media and stuff. That that would be an achievement for me already. So. Maybe I'll just check those on the days when the videos go out, just to make sure everything's good, and otherwise try to stay away as much as possible. A good way to do that is just go somewhere and not be able to access the internet. <laughs> so that that that's one way to do it. And also, this wraps up our season one, and it's been quite a ride because I started... I have to check. I remember when the first episode actually aired. Uh, fairly early in the year, but when? Uh, what? Why is it doing the like my computer is messing everything up? The first Cat Pick Fridays episode aired on February twelfth. So this has been going on for five months now. Wow! Crazy. crazy Have you done crazy one stuff. every week since then, or did you miss a few weeks? I haven't missed a week, I think. Yeah. That's the crazy Yeah, so part. episode 22, wow. that's that's nearly half a year. 
Yeah. So like by the time the the summer ones end, that's going to be number twenty six. So that will be literally half a mm. year of Fridays. Yeah, and it like started from the idea idea of like, hey, maybe I should try to do something like some sort of chill show, which is maybe a little bit easier to produce than like a regular video where I script a lot of the stuff and and yeah, just tried out bunch of different segments uh, shot bunch of stuff in my living room for a while, slash kitchen for a while and then i thought that maybe i need to make this into more of a, like a podcast thing because a lot of you guys actually had commented that hey this is a cool listen while i'm cleaning up or do the dishes or on a walk or a run or driving or some, stuff like that and that kind of gave me the impulse that hey let's turn this into a podcast and I've been wanting to try out podcasting anyway for a while. Just kind of searched for the correct format for that. And at some point, I got tired of listening just uh, my own voice. So like, I probably need to ask someone else to join here. <laughs> and you were the first one who I thought of. And with 10, 12, 13, 14 episodes in, I'd say I made the right choice. <laughs> So yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and I th like if we look at this, like when you look at the summer episodes, for example, we did. I think like I could see all of this getting better and better, and we're starting to see really, really nice traffic on a bunch of the episodes as well. So it's not just like our own pet project that's not doing anything. This is actually helping my channel quite a bit, and I hope it's it works in your benefit as well. Hard to tell, obviously. But if there's somebody watching this who has subscribed to Rich's channel because of Cat Pick Fridays, let us know. That would be interesting to hear. So, yeah. Also, as of recording right now, I am, let's check, uh, I am seven subscribers short of 6,000 subs. Can we make it today? Can we go 6,000 today? Do you want to give me a parting gift before I head off for my holiday? <laughs> <laughs> Now's your chance. If you if you enjoy what we do, please consider hitting the subscribe button. So, but back to you. How's this been like from your perspective? Are you looking forward to shooting the episodes, or, or do you go, oh damn it, why did I sign up for this? No, it's pretty Which fun. Is, by the way, contraction. <laughs> We basically, He's contractually um, obligated to like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the first thing I do every Friday. I have to just like it. But um, no, it, it's become a thing where we we just sort of chat about gear. Yeah, a lot of the time. I mean, we talk about other things as well, and we talk about more important things and less important things. But it's really fun to talk about these kinds of new bits of guitar-based equipment that are out in the world every week, and it's also nice to to talk to people. I mean, right now, <laughs> the world being the way it is, I don't get to do that very often. And when it's chatting yeah. with you, or if we have, you know, if we're joined by someone else, like we were joined by Eric one time, it's nice to be able to do that. And I also like that people like watching the show as well. I think that's nice. Yeah, and we actually have a great comment on this. Where Did my mouse just die? Yeah, Yogi Fish asks, how did you guys get started doing this show? 
Yeah, as I mentioned, I started doing this alone for a little while. And I think I did like 10 episodes, maybe, if that. And then like the first kind of podcast, the episodes I did, I just got tired of listening to my own voice for 30 minutes. And I felt like this would make, become way more interesting if there was someone else doing this as well. And I asked Rich. We've known for a while. We've known since the first Git console. What, four or five years, something like that, almost at least. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, quite and a long time. We also like, we, we, we chat a lot on social media and just send each other funny links and pictures and complain when our YouTube views tank and, you know, the basic stuff. <laughs> Which is a lot for me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, actually, so, yes, when yeah. it comes to podcasts as well, I think all the best ones have at least two people. Yeah, Can you think of any really good ones where there's only one person doing a monologue the whole time? Nope. When you have a second or a third person, well, when it's just you, you have to fill all of the dead space. But if there's a second person or a co-host, then you can always have a little bit of a think, take a drink while they're speaking and think about something to react to them with. And I think that always yeah. makes for a better show than when it's just you sat there on your own talking topic after topic after topic. Unless you're very yeah. charismatic. There's a few people who could do it on their own, but not sure. really that many. <laughs> I definitely don't think I'm one of them. So at least like with my YouTube videos, even though those are sometimes longer, like uh, I script those or like plan them properly. This is like very improv in the sense like hey here's what we're going to talk about and and i like that because like many times we bring like completely different perspectives on something and that's that makes it way more interesting i think than me just going on a rant for 30 minutes yeah like we both have totally different opinions on the latest single by chris buck and his band for example or (laughs) the latest job mayor video that's another thing as well it's good Get other opinions, because I yeah, think, especially at the moment when we're all sat at home, just consuming the internet and just learning everything from our screens, it's it's hard to kind of get a bigger picture for what everything is. Whereas when we're talking about stuff every week, and I get to hear what you think about the stuff, the gear, the music, the guitars, whatever, it it helps me as well. So that's nice, and I hope it helps the people who are watching and listening. Hello, Poo Ninja. Yeah, different perspectives are definitely important. And that's the thing, like, Rich has been in the music industry longer than I have. Like, basically, my music industry connection started when I started doing YouTube and I got to my first GitCon. That's where it started. You have been doing this for way longer. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can bring completely different perspective from that. From what I have, and I like that. It makes... I feel it makes this show more interesting. And I also like having... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and also like when you have guests, for example, when we had Trey, it's really cool. Like, as you mentioned, like there's more people to react to what someone else is saying. And like when we were talking to Trey, it was really easy because like, I didn't have to come up with every next question for him. Like we take took turns and it was a lot of fun that way. Just... We get more more out of our guests as well, so that's cool. 
And as you're going to see in the upcoming summer episodes, uh, yeah, when there's more, like, especially if there's more than two people, you can get into very chaotic situations where some people don't follow the rules and present more things than they were supposed to. Stuff like that, so. That, yeah, you're that, right. That's, you're uh, absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm looking at my list. I feel I forgot to mention something, but I'm not sure what to be honest. So am I forgetting something? I think no. your brain is yes. already in holiday mode and you just want yeah, to get this done. And yeah, I still have two or three videos to edit and then I need to write descriptions for all the Cat Pick Friday summer shows and... Yeah, I think my holiday might start on Saturday evening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I also remember a couple of other things that I need to do, but I mean, it's all for you, my dear audience. I want to keep you entertained during the summertime. <laughs> that was some humble, almost bragging. I don't know what I'm... <laughs> I I don't have a point with this. I'm just rambling now. Because, yes, my brain might be in holiday mode already, which is understandable. And, yeah. There was a... Yeah, I want to run the Weekend Watch clip here because... Well, yeah. Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Video! It's not like we have anything else to do. Yeah, as the intro said, it's not like you have anything else to do. Uh, no, wait, that's wrong. We have the, this week's weekend watch recommendation is actually Rich's Harley Benton Ellis video. You take a really deep dive into that guitar, and I really appreciate it. Like, if I would like seriously consider buying it, that's the kind of video that kind of makes me decide whether I'm going to get something or not. So. It's really like how long does it take for you to shoot something like that and then put like how does it long how long does it take to like put it all together? Because the whole video is like what forty minutes and then you like take a really deep dive into Yeah, different like, I aspect. think it's forty nine minutes that video, so it's like the longest <laughs> that I've ever done, apart from like an interview or something. Yeah, yeah it took quite a while. I, I don't really script what I'm gonna say. So I'll learn the specs of a guitar before I start talking, and then I'll maybe, I don't know, maybe it takes me an hour to do all the speaking stuff, which is about 20 minutes in total, like the intro part and the outro part. Mm. And the playing part, I have to play all the riffs two or three times, depending on you know the pickups, to make sure that you can hear all the different sounds and that. I write down in advance what riffs I'm going to play, so I don't forget anything, because I want to make sure that I cover every genre, every kind of mm. sound, and yeah, that that takes about an hour as well. Editing is what takes the bulk of the time because I have to pull clips together. You know, every time I play something different on the guitar, I cut to a different one. Yeah, the ninja is saying I always have a ton of tone samples. I make it difficult yeah, for myself. Know. You know, I just, <laughs> for some reason, I always think that more is more. And it's like, if you're doing sound samples for people why not give them as many options and as much variety as you can give them you know some of my favorite channels are kind of the 10 minutes 
plus one second demos where they literally noodle around for a couple of minutes. But I personally, I just feel like I can do a bit more. So I will. And I don't mean that in like a skill way or anything like that because I'm a very simple player, but I like to play in a lot of different genres and just, yeah, showcase as much as I can. And if that's helpful for people watching the videos, then cool. And I enjoy making it. So I shall continue to do so until someone stops me. Which sounds weird. There's, there's no one trying to stop me. Not yet, anyway. I hope no one's trying to stop you because you're <laughs> providing great value for people who are interested in products. And so, like, you also spent quite a lot of time writing the description because there was like, there was like seven million timestamps. And oh, oh, yeah, that's the other thing as well. Yeah. yeah it I takes mean, I'm a, a lot very, of time. Yeah, that's, that also takes a, a while because after I've edited everything together i have to kind of watch it back again to do the timestamps but the timestamps is also a thing which i find is probably necessary because the video is just so damn long you know in a 50 minute video if you want to find that 20 second clip of what it sounds like to play country on the bridge pickup then you can do that so for, yeah basically what i'm trying to do with the video is make a make a video that i would want to watch if someone else made it you know yeah that, that's yeah, how exactly. I see like, it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's kind and of what I'm d trying to do as well. Like, I'm I'm doing the videos I'd like to watch myself. Like, myself. Yeah, I think at, at the end of the day, if you don't have fun doing the videos, then what's the point? Like, the, the level I'm doing it at, I'm not making money or anything like that. It's just a hobby. So if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it. And I like to play all those riffs, and at the end, I like to put the Rev G3 on and do the same old chugging <laughs> nonsense that I do every time and just enjoy it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. that <laughs> put into comments full time stamps. <laughs> full yeah, time that description stamps. was was definitely full of time stamps. Yeah, I'm, I've been only lately getting into time stamps, but I'm also like trying to create videos where, like, I don't need to have time stamps, so to speak. Uh, yeah, just says making uh, his video short because editing isn't my favorite thing. Editing takes so much time. It's just, ah, uh, yeah. Even yeah, like with but, the, but, but, yeah. you know, like Poonin's videos are a different kind of thing, you know, because they're <laughs> much more kind of fun <laughs> than my they videos. Aren't. And he, he he's just doing unique stuff. But you know that they make yeah, videos yeah. differently up there on the moon, don't they? But still, yeah. If if I didn't have to edit. That would make things much, much quicker. Some some yeah. of the you the YouTubers who have bigger channels, they have editors, don't they? So they have people who will edit their footage together. Mm. Is that something you would consider doing? Uh I have like a part part time editor in the sense like my brother has helped out every now and then where he would do like the rough edit, basically like taking out all the failed takes and stuff like that. And then I presented with like a nicely labeled and edited file where I can choose from the good takes and it saves me a lot of time. But uh, transferring files is always an issue because it, like at first I need to like transfer it from like an SD card or a hard drive to a computer, wait for it to upload. <laughs> Double TF is rendering. <laughs> <laughs> it's what Poon Ninja asks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just 
takes so much time that sometimes I feel it's faster for me to just do that rough editing than send it, send the files for my brother and then let him do his yeah, thing. I, I know if I, yeah, though if I'm moving, like if this experience I mentioned earlier about like shooting stuff, like shooting several videos at a time, if I'm like if that will be a consistent thing after my holiday, then I think I'll start doing that more because then I will always have like a buffer of a couple of weeks before I run out of videos to put out. And yeah, he will have time to do those stuff edits and then I can have an editing day I put out three videos and have next three weeks covered. Maybe that would help. Yeah, that makes sense. Because... Yeah, I think if I was doing this more seriously, you know, and not just like randomly doing a video every week or whatever, you have to have some kind of regiment to it. You have to have like a, a timetable and plan stuff out. And <laughs> that is true, especially in yeah certain countries. I, I'm not going to say this is live. I can't say anything I would regret afterwards. But yes, in certain places, it does take less time to turn a horse into glue. It's true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at the moment, I can't imagine turning my video over to someone else to edit it. That's mm. the weird thing. Like, I feel like it would be very hard for someone else to, to get the stuff and put it into the way that I want it. I suppose yeah. at some point you just have to say, okay, I accept that the editor is someone who knows what I want and I just have to live with it. Because the videos that I've done for brands, you know, the, the hundreds that I did for H&K or whatever, I was mm. just, for most of them, not involved in the edit at all. I would just go in front of the camera, I would say my bit, and I was done. And I don't think yeah. I was ever really unhappy with an edit. But it's it's just somehow different when everything is done and shot in your own space by you. It's like you have total mm. ownership over the whole project. Yeah, and this thing, like, uh, one of my favorite, well, I don't know many, that many YouTube editors, but Isaac, who edits uh, Gerard's videos, for example. Isaac is a guitar player, like, and he's he's a, great musician great guitar player as well and i think that makes a difference because when we talk about our gear things he knows what we're talking about he knows the context and like knows this weird little bubble we have going on but for example with pete my brother that is uh we tried he made it like fully editing a few videos but then we decided that it's not fun for him trying to guess which details i want to leave on and which should be left out of the video and stuff like that but he's not a guitar player so I can't have him like he. I think it would be wrong towards him if he would have to decide like the things uh, I I want to have in my videos. He, there's no way for him to know because he's not a guitar player. He's not like into the whole gear scene. So yeah, we ended up we decided to do it differently. Obviously, he, he's been super helpful. Like. For example, with the summer episodes, because he really, really made our job easier. We could concentrate on our silly uh, summer festival picks and stuff like that. It's going to come up <laughs> over the next four, few weeks. So, yeah. But we'll see. Uh, I'm slowly transitioning into more and more professional way of doing this. But this isn't my full-time job just yet either. So, yeah. We shall see. Uh, any questions, guys, besides <laughs> what is rendering? 
That's maybe something you can go over in season two of. Captain yeah, Friday. what is like when you're back? Yeah, we'll, what is? Yeah, we'll have a series. Yeah, we can have a series. How long does it take to, be. to turn a horse into glue? Who <laughs> ninjas question? I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a video on that as well on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> I'm not going to put links to that in the description. <laughs> it was very weird, but yeah, I think it might be time to wrap up. Thank you, everyone, for the whole season one. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on this weird cat pick wagon. Yeah, uh, oh, as a final answer to that last question, how long does it take to set up for Thomas's live streams? A long time, sometimes. It depends. I mean, we're a pretty well-oiled machine now. Like, it's the same set up pretty much every week but when a guest comes in we have to do sound checks for them and all that kind of stuff and if there's different amps different special effects different weird pieces of technology coming in then it can take some time but generally we're pretty good and it's got to the stage where if we're starting at eight o'clock local time i can show up at like seven and i'm good they're, they're basically fine but um thomas will be in the place from like five o'clock or something like that at the at the latest so he needs three hours before. And depending on what they're playing as well, that's the, the longest setup time for Thomas is learning what he might have to play. He doesn't learn stuff note for note, but if he has a guy on like Mick Wall, for example, who's doing jazz, he does, um, he does jazz practice for the day before or whatever. So he's not in the office at that time. No, the, the cables, cables are not labeled. No. Explosions are well, just part of the job. Part of the fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, We're literally just in the process of moving studios at the moment. Thomas has just done the first one in the new studio. So the new studio should be explosion free, but you'll have to keep watching <laughs> to find out. <laughs> That's quite, probably quite won't a teaser. <laughs> Will it explode or not? That's the question. But yeah, yeah. thank you everyone for the season one. This has been quite the ride, and oh, by the way, I've been getting like into like from people I wouldn't think watch our stuff. I've been getting getting comments like, "Hey, I love what you and Rich are doing. Really fun show. I watch it every week." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> never would have guessed." So weirdos. I know who's watching this. I am. As soon as I'm done here, so. <laughs> But yeah, hey, thank you everyone weekend. for yeah, true. Thank you everyone for joining us here and for all the <laughs> great group questions. And yeah, Cat Pick Fridays is not going anywhere, but we are going somewhere. I'm actually going for, uh, for a small trip within Finland in a week or so. And yeah. Have a great summer. We shall see you in four weeks, five weeks. Actually, will it be five weeks? Because the first episode actually airs, or summer episode actually airs in a week. So, yeah. So, at least five weeks, if my math is correct. Yeah, something, I don't know. This is a great, great outro. If you manage to make it until the end of this rambling section. Well done. Thank you so much. 
<laughs> if you want to support what I, what we do, there's links to all kind of stuff, merch, songwriting courses, affiliate links to Tobin, all kinds of cool things. And anything you buy there would like just helps to keep this thing rolling. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, people in the live chat. And as always, bye podcast. Bye podcast. Outro, where's the outro? There it is. <laughs>